Hi everyone, this is International Society of Hypertension Podcast. I'm Associate Professor Francine Marques from Monash University, Australia, and my co-host is Dr. Augusto Montesano from the University of Glasgow, Scotland. It's our pleasure to have today with us Dr. Satoko Nakamura. She has an MD and PhD in medicine from the Osaka City University Graduate School of Medicine and Faculty of Medicine in Osaka, Japan. She has been conducting medical treatment and clinical research on hypertension, kidney diseases, and cardiovascular diseases at the National Cerebral and Cardiovascular Center for about 25 years. She's also a board member of the Japanese Society of Hypertension, where she chairs the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. So we're going to be talking about that today and is also a counselor of the Japanese Society of Nephrology. Satoko, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us today, and it's a pleasure to have you here with us. Hello, thank you for the opportunity to interview me today. Uh, I hope I can do my best. <laughs> so sure I'm, yeah, I'm a bit, uh, I'm a bit nervous to speak in English. Anyway, I will try. Um, and, um, so the first uh, thing that I wanted to hear from you is if you can tell us a little bit about your story and how you got involved with uh, hypertension, hypertension research, and uh, also then uh, the International Society. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was uh, uh, go to the graduate school, the Professor Yamamoto, the chief professor of the graduate school, was involved in the establishment of the Japanese Society of Hypertension. Since uh, research on renal nutrition system and ANP was conducted in his uh, department, pharmacology, I naturally started to participate in the Japanese Society of Hypertension. During graduate school, Professor Zou, very famous professor, in Harvard University, uh, he was uh, staying as a visiting professor in our department uh, several weeks, as I remembered. Even after advancing to internal medicine, I continued my research on hypertension and kidney disease. I participated in the ISH academic meeting for the first time in Kyoto in 1898. 18, no, 1988, I'm, I'm sorry, 1988. After getting married and giving birth, it was Amsterdam that I next attended ISH. Beautiful. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, you have some pretty important roles uh, in the Japanese society and also in the Japanese, uh, Japanese society of hypertension as well as nephrology. I was wondering if you can comment if sitting in these uh, committees has helped you to advance your uh, career. Thank you. While participating in the JSS committee, I was able to get to know the directors and to make an impression and I was recommended for my role in academic meetings, et cetera, and my playing field expanded. In JSH, I got to know more people which further 
motivated me to attend the conference. And one of the key roles that uh, um, I have with the society and we're really interested is about mentoring. Um, can you define your mentorship experience in one word? One word is very difficult, <laughs> but if I want to say, uh, respect. <laughs> respect, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you want to, to elaborate on that? Why, why respect? Mm -hmm. uh, if I harbor young research, uh, young doctors uh, to communicate, if I want to communicate to them, uh, the respect each other is the most important things. So, so uh, we can uh, understand together, and I, I can uh, tell them my experiences and my knowledge. That's it. Beautiful. And do you think mentoring is important? Yes, I think mentoring is important. Someone does not understand something, they wonder what to do. I think the experience and the guidance of their seniors will be useful. Absolutely, yeah. And was there a moment in your career that you realized that you needed a mentor? Or um, a lot of people that we have interviewed, they said that they, the relationships happen naturally. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I think for some uh, of uh, um like for myself, uh, I realized one point that I needed a mentor. I was wondering in your experience, what happened? Ah, thank you. After becoming a doctor, when I was wondering whether to go on to graduate school, I felt the need for a mentor. I consulted with a female doctor, a psychiatrist of the age of 40. She said there are many ways to live and it's a personal choice whether to choose the easy or difficult path. She told me to live a proud life. As a result, I decided to go on to graduate school because I would have new encounters, experiences, and challenges. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that she told you to live a proud life. Yeah, yeah. that's really beautiful, yeah. And what is your personal mentoring style? And is there any examples that you can think of that ways that you have helped your own mentees in the past? Yeah. Even if it is called a mentoring style, I have never learned it properly. I just get the knowledge from a magazine and a newspaper or something like that. At National Cerebral and cardiovascular center, senior doctor pair with junior doctor to treat patients. Especially for difficult cases, we talked and aimed for better treatment. I listened to the junior doctors and tried to find a better way. I listened to the worries of them and talked generously about my experiences and knowledge. That's it. That's okay. And, um... What traits do you think a good mentee has? Uh -huh. uh, yeah, we can respect each other. We can talk with each other with honest hearts. <laughs> yeah, that, that's so important. Um, mm. We find that people, uh, uh, they usually talk about how 
mentees need to be able to have an open, honest conversation mm. yeah, and yeah, 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 listen yeah. to each other. Yes, they need the mentees need to have the capacity to listen and to take on the feedback. Yeah, that's so true. And was there any moment, uh, oh, sorry, before that, um, do you have any advice on how to identify a good training environment? Mm, it's not so easy. Uh, a, good, a good training environment requires an environment where people can easily gather and talk, mm, such as at the conference, when eating or drinking tea or something like that. So it's not so easy way to make. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that we're all missing these days is being able to go to the conferences and uh, and see each other and talk to each other. And I think for yeah. our trainees as well, that's such an important experience that they're missing out. Hopefully next year we can come to uh, Kyoto uh, to attend the ISA. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Of course, please come. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... I was wondering if, uh, and, and that's something that is quite personal to me, if you ever felt um, intimidated to go and talk to someone and how you overcame that? Uh, when I had to talk to uh, them, uh, intimidating people, uh, I, I tried to become relaxed so that I felt calm. As much as possible, I tried not to worry about what they thought of me. <laughs> Just, I'm being a, a small rock <laughs> from them, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I try to think about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I still struggle sometimes. And there was one interview some time ago that I had to tell our guest that I was feeling quite intimidated just by the conversation. Uh -huh. <laughs> So, yeah. um, and something that is also really, really dear to us um, in our committee as well as in the society is diversity and inclusion. I'm really excited to talk to you, especially with your role uh, as the chair of the uh, diversity and inclusion committee. Yeah. <laughs> and I was wondering if you can comment on, and, and from your perspective, and even um, in Japan, what do you mm -hmm is the biggest barrier around diversity and inclusion uh, that we're facing? And how do you think we can change that? Uh -huh. I think the biggest barrier is the prejudice that only the old way is right. The conventional method is, after all, university-centered and male-centered in uh, Japanese medical societies. <laughs> I think that the prejudice can be overcome by conducting hypertension research by diverse researchers and creating a place for them to play an active role. The active participation, participation of diverse human resources will further expand the opportunity for active participation. So first, give them the place to talk, a place to uh, place to do their role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really agree. And I think that that's so underappreciated that a lot of the time people don't say anything, not because they lack an opinion, but because they don't think that the opinion is going to be heard or valued. 
and they don't think that they, they they don't think that they have a place in actually saying their opinion and belonging to that environment. And I really think that we need to drive a cultural change uh, and allow these people to be included, seek new ways to uh, also uh, yeah support this inclusion because uh, um, yeah something needs to change. Mm. And do you have any advice for women in hypertension research specifically? Uh-huh. I want to tell them that they should not give up on their research or career, even if they face challenges. Also, there are many turning points in life, not just one. So I would like to encourage them to think carefully and don't be afraid to make big choices. Beautiful. Don't be afraid. <laughs> and in Australia, um, at least, uh, COVID had a huge impact on our research community. We had mm -hmm. the city where I live, Our um, we were in lockdown for 262 days. Mm -hmm. um, so the people that suffered the most were our junior researchers. And mm -hmm. I was wondering if you have any ideas of ways that our community can support our junior researchers better to get mm -hmm. through the pandemic and not lose these amazing junior researchers because they faced the pandemic during their studies or early training days. Okay. I think the impact of the pand pandemic is wide ranging. But if young researchers find it difficult to do research, we should find out why. On top of that, we should give them the support they need. If there is a, a problem with research funding, research funding support for young researchers should also be considered. In Japan, research funds for young researchers are being solicited now. Three, 300 yen, 300 uh, million yen or something like that to three researchers. No, thank you. Thank you. That's very, all very important. All very important. Yeah. Uh, Satoku, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. And uh, I really appreciate your input. And I hope we can all come and see you in the beautiful Kyoto in Japan mm. next year. Yeah, yeah. Now I am also working as a domestic, uh, domestic, uh, uh, so, sorry. Ah, domestic Public Relations Committee for the folding of ISS 2022. So we have created a group to support ISS 2022 and hold online meetings. I'd like to make an effort to forward ISS 2022 without any accidents. I would like to invite the people who listen to this interview to participate in ISS 2022. So next year, I we will wait <laughs> for you coming. Uh, Amazing. We hope your we beautiful can... Kyoto. <laughs> to beautiful Kyoto. Wonderful. We hope we can all come and see you in Kyoto. That would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our interview. If you'd like more tips on mentoring, subscribe to our podcast for more interviews with senior and emerging leaders. Stay safe, open-minded and kind.